my kids, and you know, you're young, and uh, you're trying to start your life, you're trying to be your own, and the opposite of patience would be going and buying a house tomorrow. Now, patience would be waiting until things change, interest rates go down. I mean, there's a lot of common sense approach of living by God's rules and God's um, advice and God's timing. Romans 15, 13 says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. So again, where's our joy? We can't have joy without hope. You can't have hope without faith. You can't have faith without hope. You can't have anything without joy. Where does your joy come from? Again, we walk all these circles. And many of us have done the same things. We, we try to focus and channel our, our joy from what we do every day. I mean, some people get their joy out of working every day. And there's nothing wrong with that as long as it has its place. I mean, I don't dislike work. Now, if I had to choose between work and deer hunting, I would go deer hunting. But again, we have to have some of these things, but if you have joy and it's centered around God, how many of us dread going to work tomorrow? How many of us sitting here right now thinking, oh my God, i got to go to work tomorrow? How many? I'm telling you, when you... Start channeling in and figuring out where your joy and your peace comes from. And I'm not saying I wake up in the morning and I turn cartwheels going to work because I don't. But I don't dread it. But I'm not working for me. I'm not working for the man. I'm working for God. That's where our joy starts. So again, I mean, it's where our heart is, where our mind is. It's not saying that we can't do a lot of these things. It's saying... Check yourself. You know, look in that mirror and check yourself. Am I doing this because I want to do it, I need to do it, I have to do it, or am I just doing it because God's ordained it? God's put it in my life, and that's just one of the many blessings that comes from serving God. Uh, James uh, chapter 1, verse 2 through 4. It says, My brethren, I want you to read this, My brethren, count it all joy, when you fall into various trials, knowing my eyes is messing up now, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Count it all joy. Look, I'm telling you, you might as well count it joy because you're going to have trials. You're going to have tribulations. There's things going to happen in your life. Uh, there's things going to be happening around you. There's things that's going to happen that you have no control over uh, that you cannot do anything about. But how do you count it all joy? I don't know. Ask Jenny Jacobs how she counts it all joy. Ask her. I mean, if you was up there, you notice one thing. Man, this woman just keeps getting abuse after abuse after abuse after abuse. Counts it all joy. How many of you, when you walk in that back door, you want to hug somebody? Huh? I mean, how many? How, how many of you always has a smile on your face? And we're up there working. It's raining. It's cold. There's a hole in the roof. There's you know water leaking. There's all these things, and she's just chilling. How many of us would be just chilling? Huh? I mean, there's examples around us just walking every day. In spite, if you can't notice the examples that the Bible gives you nonstop. I mean, look at Jesus' life. He came to this, this world. He knew what he was going to do when he came. He knew what his life was going to be, and he counted it all joy. He gave everything. He knew he was going to give everything. There's people walking amongst us today that do the same thing. They have true joy. They have real joy that only Christians should know about. And only a few of those Christians that should know about it actually know about it. Where your joy comes from. 
Again, I want you to think a lot of times on all these half-truths. You know, we, we go into this, and about six months into it, after you sent the sixth payment in, how much joy is coming from that? I mean, think about it. And then what does it take you to get past that so you don't stress and your guts don't eat themselves alive and so you don't end up having to go get on medication? It takes God to intervene and say, look, we made some mistakes. We're going to get through them. And you start understanding the peace and the joy of God. John fifteen eleven says, These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. Again, the only way to do it is through Christ. The only way to, to even remotely do it is through Christ. Again, uh, one more verse, Psalms uh, 4, 7 says, You have put more joy in my heart than they have when their grain and their wine abound. Now, a lot of us want to be there. And I think that is one of the, the goals we should have. I think it's just another uh, facet of the meaning of Philippians 4, 13. I think that the only way you can get there is what is Philippians 4.13. So, Luke, what's Philippians 4.13? There you go. So, you can do all things through Christ Jesus, which strengthens me. So, if you want to have that heart, if you want to have that joy, if you want to have that peace, then you have to, one, be patient. You have to come steadfast. You have to be constant in prayer to get to that point of counting it all joy during those times of tribulation. Again, before you leave today, I want you to ask yourself, where does my joy come from? And if you don't have the answer, you can and should and will have the answer before you leave today. Pastor. Good word this morning. Enjoyed that. Um, I thank you all for being here this morning. I'm glad glad to see you all are here. It's warm inside. I know some people still didn't, couldn't get out, not feeling good, didn't want to get out. And I, I know a couple of people, um, the driveway is still frozen up. And, and so it's, uh, but I'm glad you all come out. I'm glad nobody's got vehicles on the side of the highway anymore. So I know Drew stayed busy with that. I got a picture of somebody in here with a car on the side of the road and so, <laughs> but i'm glad uh, i'm glad nobody got hurt nobody stayed safe <laughs> i didn't say a name i just kind of looked over that way could have been anybody in here but <laughs> that's right there was a lot of people that got stuck on the side of the road or off the side of the road i'm glad i wasn't on i 65 between Lacon and Coleman Tuesday night because that was whew, that was a mess. So, um, but you know, it's uh, I'm glad y'all are here. I'm glad it's warm. Glad the heat's on, and and so if you get too warm, it can be turned back down. But I don't know that anybody will have that problem today, and so it'll thaw out tomorrow, and we'll be complaining about everything's too wet and too soggy, and we want it to quit raining, and then then we'll just go on to something else. So. But, but I'm glad we're here. I'm glad I'm here. Um, I'm glad that, that we come and get to spend this time in worship and, and praise. And it looked like our live stream was working this morning, so welcome all those in. I know there's, hopefully there's several that's watching today that are not here, that are not able to be here, and so we welcome them in this morning. Um, but, so there's tickets on the back, ta- on the back table back there for the spaghetti dinner sale. Um, there's little books of ten. So if you want to take take one, whatever, take a book and sell them, just give them the ticket and you keep the one that says admit one or whatever. That way we know about how many, you know, plates we're going to have. And then we'll still sell them the day of. We'll still sell the plates. And so the $12 plate, um, and then we'll have those turned back in by the February 7th. That way we'll, we'll have a good count. Um, so, all right. Well, anything else just now that I missed? Well, let's save our offering. Amen? Yeah. Amen.
Amen. A few prayer requests this morning. You can see around people not here. I know Miss Jenny Jacobs, she said she's hurting real bad this morning, so she asked for prayer. Um, as Daddy mentioned, his, his sister, Aunt Judy, she watches a lot of times from out in Texas, and so we want to be praying for her this morning with that hip that um, for it to be healed. I cannot imagine the pain of a hip coming out of its socket. I, I do not want to know that pain, so um, I can imagine it just hurt. But um, And then Danielle and her family, Cameron and um, June, they're all not feeling good. Cameron's got a real bad ear infections in both ears. And so if you've ever had children to deal with those things, then you know it's not a fun time to have toddlers with ear infections at all. Um, so remember them in prayer. And, and Logan, remember him that when he goes gets his wrist checked out that it will not be broken. Right, Logan? That's right. <laughs> so, yeah, he uh, failed, what, yesterday in practice? Yeah, yesterday landed on that hand. So thoughtful team does not need him to have a broken wrist to make it through the rest of the season, do they? I, and, you know, y'all, y'all need, they need Logan on the team. So, all right. Any other prayer requests this morning before we pray? Yes. Pray pray for Arianna. One thing, Arianna did make it back to Okinawa. She uh, she made it just fine. She did have to wait an extra day because she didn't buy the right plane ticket. So she had to spend more money on a plane ticket from Tokyo to Okinawa and then stay another night in Tokyo. So um, um, she did make it back. But just remember her and for, for strength and peace in her life and for Trevor. So just, just remember them as, as you pray this morning and, and throughout that um, that God will work and move in their in their lives. All right. Well, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we love you and we praise you. And we thank you for this day and this, this time we've come already, uh, Father, to sing praises to your name. God, we're just so humbled and, and, God, that your presence is here with us today, that, that the God of creation will come down, send his Holy Spirit to be here with us, and we thank you for that. Thank you, God, for working and moving in the hearts and lives of people this morning as, as we listen, as we, as we endeavor to learn and understand what you have for us today, that we can take these things and, Father, grow in our lives and our relationship with you and, and be strengthened this morning and encouraged, God, that you're going to work and move in every situation in our lives. We bring these needs to you right now and pray for healing. God, for Logan this morning when he goes to get that wrist x-rayed, and, God, there'll be no broke bones, and, and this thing will heal up quickly. Father, we pray for Miss Jenny Jacobs again that you touch her this morning where she's at, at home. God, in that pain and those joints and arthritis from this cold weather, God, we just thank you that you bring health and healing to her, Father. God, we pray for um, Danielle and, and Cameron and June this morning, God, that you touch them. God, bring healing to that household. Father, that they look and trust in you that those ears are dried up with Cameron. There's no more of this drainage and infection. God, that you just you just touch and you move in their lives right now, Father. We pray for Arianna, God, that you touch her. Strengthen her this morning, God, that comfort her. God, know that she can look to you, that she does. And, and Father, that she um, leans into you today, Father, each and every day. And, God, that you're working and you're moving in their lives. You're working in Trevor's life. Father, that you just touch him, that he turns his heart back to you and, um, and, and, be, and become the man of God that he, that he needs to be, Father, that he should be. And, God, we just pray for that whole situation. Thank you, God, for your hand in it and working and moving. Father, as we go on our time of giving this morning, God, we just thank you that you bless, that you touch, that you move, that you, that you just bring um, all this brings glory and honor to your holy name. And we love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Well, I think as all the ch- well, no, the twins are still here. So children, the rest of you can go to children's church. Next Sunday, I noticed. I know last Sunday we mentioned that we'd have a baptism this Sunday, but um, I guess due to the freezing temperatures and the uh, the heater that I had purchased for the baptistry did not come in. No, we we decided that we would wait till next Sunday. Um, so. Not only Brittany's going to get baptized next Sunday, Brittany Knowles, but also Aubrey is going to get baptized. Amen. Yeah. 
So that invitation for baptism is still open to anyone that would like to be baptized. The only prerequisite to baptism is salvation. So, you know, Jesus has got to be Lord of your life, and then baptism is next. And so we just, we're, we're thankful and we're excited that, that for next Sunday, and um, we're just um, praising God for it. Amen? Well, you realize today is January 21st, right? So January 21st, it ends with 21 days of prayer and fasting. If you have been doing that, and, and as we encourage, as we talked about at the first of the year, then we applaud you. You've made it, and, and you, you're done, not done, but you've accomplished this in your life. You look back and say, well, I, I didn't get the answers that I wanted to. I didn't get this that I wanted to. Well, guess what? Your faith grew during that time. Your, your time with God was more during this time because you set yourself to worship and praise God and pray and in prayer and fasting as you, as you, uh, as you determine to. So, so that's one thing that this is about. And then as we go on, we know that we can do this. And we know that God will work in our lives and He will bring strength to us whenever, you know, sure, if you, if you missed a meal or whatever you've done, caffeine, you know, it wasn't easy. But you ask the Holy Spirit, hey, help me during this time. You know, help me. You know, let, let me not think on what, whatever it is that I'm trying to do without physically in my life and concentrate on you spiritually. And then guess what? Every time that help was there. Because I know myself, it was not an easy task every day to miss. And, and I'll just be honest, I'm, my, my, my goal was not to drink a lot of diet or any diet Mountain Dews that I'd drunk too many of. And then I, I, I would skip supper at night, and that was my time. Now, was it easy to skip supper at night? No, it was not. I promise. I like to eat. And so, you know, so there would be times it would be like, it's 8, eight o'clock, and I'm hungry. But then I knew I'd just drink some water, maybe a cup of coffee, something like that, to help with that. But then also ask God to help me during that time do what I felt like he would called me to do, you know, as far as myself, this was just me. So, so anyway, we just applaud you, and, and you can celebrate that and thank God for that, that he helped and worked and moved in your life. And you said, I didn't do anything. Well, keep praying, keep seeking, keep asking, right? That's what the Bible tells us to do. And so when we do those things, then God's going to show up, and God's going to work and move in our life. Why? Because we're obedient to him. We're being obedient to him. That's why. So, all right. Well, as I was praying this week and, and asking the Holy Spirit to say, you know, show what direction we needed to go, what, what word today we would have, the, the thing that kept going over and over in my mind was just don't stop believing. And I know if any of you is like me, when I just said that, you might have thought of a song. Nobody? Okay. All right. Do y'all young kids even know what I'm talking about? And I hadn't listened to Journey this week, the group Journey. I listened to some of Journey Church, but I hadn't listened to the group Journey. And I don't know, it was just that was going over my mind. Why? Because at points in our life, we stop believing. We stop actually believing that God can do what He says He will do. And, and so, you know, we're not, we're not that's, that's a catchy song, and you'll probably sit there and think of that song the whole service, and that's fine, I've thought of it all week. Every time I see this title, I thought of that song. So, but we're not going to preach about a small town girl living in a lonely world that took a midnight train to anywhere, okay? We're not. Anyway, if you know the song, then you can hum the rest of it along and keep you awake as we, uh, as we go through the service today. If you, if, you, if you just catch yourself just dozing off somewhere, fading off, you're like, oh, we're back at church, not, not there. All right, so, but we know in our own life it's, it's easy to believe things when we can actually see them, right? We know that, that it's actually, it's easy for us to believe that something's going on or something's happening, good, bad, indifferent, whatever, because we can see those things happening. And, and a lot of times we don't want to see them, and even when we see them, especially if it's bad, well, I just can't believe that. No, it's, it's right there happening. Whether you believe it or not, it's happening. Yeah. The hard part for us is believing what we can't see, 
believing and having faith for for what we're believing in and keep praying for to actually happen. So we get a lot of the Thomas kind of mentality in our life. What did, you, what did Jesus tell Thomas in John chapter 20 and verse 27? After Jesus, we know, been raised from the dead, come back, visited them in the upper room. He, he left. Thomas said, I don't believe y'all that he was here. And I'm paraphrasing some of this. I don't believe y'all. And then Jesus appeared. Right? And he said, reach your fingers here. Look at my hands and reach your hand here and put it into my side. Do not be unbelieving, but believing. Do not be unbelieving. Even if we saw Jesus, if we were there, if if 99.9% of the church was there when Jesus died on the cross and saw that, we would still be a lot of Thomases that said, well, I saw him die. I saw him put him in the tomb. I don't believe that he's risen again. And even if we saw him and he showed up in our life like he has a lot of us, and, and then we's like, well, I still don't believe it. But Thomas said, well, okay, so I, I can touch, I can touch, I can see, I can feel, I can know that you're here, so all of a sudden I believe. That's great. That's great when people get to that point. Because Thomas answered and said, my Lord and my God, with exclamation point, just, oh my goodness, it's him, it's Jesus, he's here. And then in verse 29, Jesus said to him, you know, that's good that you see me and that you believe. He said, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have seen me and yet, but who have not seen me and have yet believed. That's where we are today. If you're saved, you believed in Jesus of God, a person that you've read about, that you knew the Holy Spirit quickening you, that he, for, he died for your sins on the cross and, and buried and rose again and ascended into heaven, but you've never seen him. But you still believed. So we are part of that blessed yet more that we believe because we hadn't seen him. But our problem also is in our church today, in our modern church, is that we haven't seen him. We believed in that, but... Beyond that is where we stop. Beyond believing, and that's, that just blows my mind also, and I've been there. We can believe in a God we've never seen, read words about Him and, and all these things and sense His presence, and that should lead us to be able to believe for anything else in our life because of that. But, but it doesn't because we, we lose faith a lot of times because it's not when we want it and how we want it. So we know it takes faith to believe in God because we've never laid our eyes on Him. So that's what faith is the substance thing hoped for, the evidence of things not seen, right? So we know it takes faith. But we can go further than, than that in our life. We, we have to believe beyond a shadow of a doubt that God is who truly He says He is. And, and will do for us whatever we believe in. And have you ever... Use scriptures back to God like he don't know that they're there. You ever believe in God for something? And then this is my life. I know in my life, this is my famous one that I would always. Well, God, you said you give me desires of my heart. Oh, that sounds great. But what your desires and his desires, because Jesus even said out of the heart flows, flows evil stuff, right? Out of the heart. So, in our heart could be selfish desires and selfish things in our life, but we use that back to God to try to get Him to answer our prayer. Even though what we're praying is not what we need to be praying for or how we need to be praying. And it could be on selfish gain. So, in Psalms chapter 37, and, and in verse 3, because we quote verse 4, the last of verse 4 is all we quote, is all that comes in our mind. And he shall give you the desires of your heart. Verse 3 and 5 and the rest of 4, nobody knows what it says. Do you know what it says? Can y'all quote that? No, because verse 3 says, Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and feed in his, on his faithfulness. So, again, there's prerequisites for us to do. We have to trust in the Lord fully. We have to dwell with him completely. And when we do that, the desires of our hearts will line up with His desires and His will in our life. That's where we can't get past because we, we, we only go to there. And then also in verse 4, before it says, And shall give you the desires of your heart, delight yourself also in the Lord. So as we're dwelling with Him, 
as we're trusting in Him and doing good, we're delighting ourselves. We're putting all our efforts, all of our being, all of our spirit, all of our emotions, all of our time, everything into Him. Because when it, then when it comes to the point, the desires of our heart, then it won't be selfish desires for selfish gain, for what I want, for what, for what I know, for what I want in my life. And in verse, verse 5, after that, he said, give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in Him. Then He will bring it to pass. So we take different things out of the Bible to use them, hopefully for our good, but most of the time they're selfish gain. And I'm not talking about praying for, for salvation for, for family members, healing in people's lives, those kind of things. I'm not talking about not praying for those. But we all have areas and things that we want to see and we want in our lives that we pray for that when they don't happen when we want them to, we're like, well, I just don't believe in that stuff anymore. I don't believe it. There's one, one good example in my life, and I've never stopped believing for healing, for, for anything, whenever, you know, whatever it is we're praying for. But, and, and a lot of you, if you've been here and heard Dad preach throughout the years, and some of you haven't, he's told the story numerous times about the week before my granddad, his dad, passed away, laying there, eat up with cancer, said, looked at him and said, don't stop preaching what you're preaching. Don't stop preaching healing. Whether I die or whether I'm miraculously healed, don't stop preaching it. And, and we can't, and then we're like, well, well, why did he die? Well, he got ultimate healing. He got, he got what God wanted, but he never stopped professing by stripes I'm healed. He never stopped believing that. It just didn't happen how we wanted it to happen. And, and so, you know, when we ask for those things and we, we would put God in this box, we restrict Him from the power that He truly has. We, we put Him here and you say, well, God, you didn't do this when I asked for it, so I'm, I guess your power is just here. No, your faith is just here. And, you, and in James it talks about, in James chapter 4 and verse 3, and this is where we are a lot of times in our lives. We pray, we're praying for things. And, and, and sure, they may be good things that can happen. People pray for whatever, you know. And a lot of times you can go back to prosperity preaching. Pray for more money, more this, more that. And it's all personal and selfish gain. Alright? That's all it is. James chapter 4 and 3 says, You ask and do not receive because you ask amiss, that you may spend it on your own pleasures. Again, it goes back to our desires not lining up with what God's will for our life is. And if we all, if everybody knew what God had planned in your life, and you could look in the future and see it now, most of us wouldn't want to go. Because if we could see everything that was going to happen from right now until we left this world, I promise it's not all going to be good. And then when we saw it, we'd be like, yeah, God, I don't want that. Can you make another one? You make another future for me? Can you do something different? And when most of the time, what, what happens is that we mess up God's plans and we end up in that future because we put ourselves there because of our actions and our desires and our wants that lead us out of the will and the way of God. And just like He gives everybody free will, that's where we go. That's where we go. I had a guy ask me the other day. He said, um, he was something come up about leadership in church, and they was talking about another church in this area that's got a homosexual man leading praise and worship, all this stuff. And one of the boys, he's not one of the men. He's, he don't go to church. I don't know that his life is right with God, you know. But he said, well, what if the person in leadership has children that are, that are wayward? I said, well, there wouldn't be many people in leadership in church then if they were judged on their children's actions. But I said, just like my own, I said, I can't speak for them anymore. They're out of my house. The Bible says train up a child in the ways to go. And when they're older, not depart from it. I can't make him or them come to Christ. Just like nobody made none of us come to Christ. But I said, you know, I still have to pray every day 
that God will work and the Holy Spirit will move in their life to where they'll turn around from their wicked ways and be who they're supposed to be. Praying about those things are not praying and asking amiss for things. We need to pray for wisdom, pray for healing, pray for salvation, pray for strength inside in the Word of God and, and, and things like this in our life. And when we do those things, then what we're actually believing for may change because we can see and understand that's not in the will of God. And then we won't come to a point where we just stop believing altogether and we think, what's the point of praying? What's the point of believing? What's the point in hope? What is the point in all of it? Because so many times we're praying for our own selfish gain and desire that we miss what God wants for us. So we, don't, we, don't, we have to watch what we pray and how we pray and, and so because nobody, just like I said, if we saw the future and we saw everything we're going to have to deal with, nobody wants to deal and go with suffering, heartache, and pain. But we know we have to. We talk about it a lot. Why do we talk about suffering? Because Jesus suffered. The disciples suffered. Everybody we read about suffered for Christ and for what He done. Christ Himself suffered. So where do we get we will not suffer in this life? Paul, one of the greatest examples that wrote more than half of the New Testament, right? And suffered every day for what he changed, he chose to believe in after he was persecuting for those that did believe in the same thing he ended up dying for. And so, but one thing about Paul, we can look at that, and Jesus also, Jesus is our prime example. He didn't stop knowing where, where he was going to end up. He didn't stop, and so Paul didn't stop believing in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, Paul dealt with so many things, beat so many times, shipwrecked, chained, shackled, thrown into prison, beat, whipped, whatever else you can think of is how he was done for believing in Jesus. But there was one thing he prayed for. i never seen anything in here where Paul prayed, God... Help me not to suffer for you, did he? Except right here, he prayed three times for a thorn in his flesh. And verse 7 of chapter 12, he said, Unless I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of revelation, a thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I be exalted above measure. So unless my pride built up on what I know, on what I do, and thinking I'm better than everybody else in Christ, that's, that's what I get from this, okay? It says a messenger from Satan was sent to him. You're like, well, what, what sense does that make? A messenger from Satan. What is a messenger from Satan? What do we call those? Those not demons, right? Are those not things, and Paul wasn't possessed by a demon. But this one area in his life evidently had issues with. And he said, concerning this thing, I pled with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. How many has pled with the Lord three times, and it feels like you pled 30 times that something would depart from you, or something would change, and it hadn't changed the way you wanted it to yet, Right? And so we've all dealt with those things, and that doesn't mean that God's putting a thorn in your flesh that you have to deal with those things every day. No, it means that you might need to check and see what's going on else in your life that you need to get rid of where God can actually work and move like He wants to. All right. But what all God said to him, all God said to him, He pled with him. And in our minds, and the way our minds work nowadays, as sport Christians that we are in our society, is when I ask God, He's supposed to do it. When I ask God and pray for something right now, it should happen right now. That's our thought process. That's how we want it every day. And when it doesn't happen, we do not get like Paul does here. Immediately, most of the time in our lives, that thought comes, well, what's the point? What is the point? What's the point of me even saying anything anymore? They're never going to change. What's the point of me praying anymore? They're not, nothing's going to happen. What's the point? We all get there and we all stop believing. But when we all in actuality should come back to what Paul said here, what God said to Paul was, My grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. 
Not the weakness of Christ, but your weakness in your flesh. Your weakness in you. Why? Because he wanted Paul to see you You know all this stuff. You sure, you're a smart man. You've done a lot of work for me. You've done all this, but that doesn't make you some arrogant piece of whatever. You've got to be here so you can, you can talk and you can minister to people. And whatever is going on in your life, he's saying, look, he wanted him to make sure that he knew just like we need to know that we need to be totally dependent on the power of the Holy Spirit working in our life and there's nothing coming out of ourselves that's flesh from ourselves. That's what this is all about, is the Holy Spirit working in your life. And so your flesh can be weak enough to where the Spirit of God can be strong enough in you and through you to where everybody else can see that that is a man and woman of God and not for you to boast in it, not for anybody else to boast in it, but for God to get the glory. But you're weak enough and humble enough to come before God at any point in time and say, hey, I am yours. Do with me as you will. This verse 10, this is something we can't fathom at all. Paul didn't say, so let me just read verse 9, sorry. Therefore, Paul said this after God told him that. He said, most gladly, most gladly, I would rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. He said, I would rather boast in those things, these bad things, the shipwrecks, the beatings, all these other things that, I've, that has happened to me from Christ so he can be glorified through me instead of me being glorified through anything else. Verse 10, therefore I take pleasure, pleasure in my infirmities. How many take pleasure in the things bad and the circumstances that's going on in your life? I don't see a hand raised because we don't like it. We don't like to suffer. We'd rather stop believing God for something than actually suffer through it. We would, we would rather stop, stop just you know, praying about it, hopefully it'll go away one day, instead of putting ourselves to where we're here and saying, God, whatever it is you have me to go through, I'm ready to go through it because I know that I'm weak enough in my flesh and I have the power of the Holy Spirit working and guiding me each and every day and that I know I can make it from one day to the next, to the next, to the next by the power of the Holy Spirit. But we don't. Because our first thing is not to be like Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 12 and verse 10. We don't, I don't know that I've ever said, hey God, I just thank you and I take pleasure in these infirmities. I take pleasure in this pain. I take pleasure in this, in this problem in my life. You're like, why would you pray that? Paul said, I take pleasure in my infirmities, in my reproaches, in needs, in persecution, in distresses. For who? For Christ's sake. Christ's sake. Not for his own. Because, God, we got to get to this last point in this verse. It says, for when I am weak. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Because there's nothing we should be able to do on our own. Nothing. But yet we do and struggle through it each and every day and wonder why we keep struggling. Because our flesh is so big in our life that we, we're comfortable in sin. We're comfortable in the way we're living. We're comfortable in everything else we're doing wrong. And wonder why God don't show up and the churches aren't full and people aren't coming to Christ in droves. Because they see you struggling. They see you stop believing. They see the church stop believing. And then we wonder why nobody's getting saved. We wonder why we invite them to church and they never come. Because they see the church stop believing. They see us Christians so easy to give up and stop believing for things in their life and then talk bad about those things and, and say negative things all the time and then we're destroying what we're praying for, we're destroying what we're believing in, and, and then we just stop. We know, I, we, I know in my life numerous people that have been where they needed to be with God and watch them just slide away. Slide away. But I've also seen people been to that point and then come back. And glory to God for that. And, I, and I've seen God work and move because I know that prayer still works. Can I use you all an example real quick? There is an example here and everybody knows it. Of Bradley and Jamie Fitzgerald. 
that prayer still works. We've prayed for two years. And God brought that back together. And their marriage is back together. Their family's back together whole like it's supposed to be. Why? Because people didn't stop believing. There was negative things talked about. Oh, they'll never, that'll never happen. But you don't listen to those things. You don't talk those things. You don't believe those things. You keep praying and you keep believing. Has it been an easy road for them? No. But it does never say it would be an easy road when you put all your trust in Him. It just says do it. So, so I know that God still works and God still moves because there's two people right there that's an example of God working and God moving. Whether Wherever we are in our life, when we're weak, then He can be strong. And so we come to a point in our life where, God, I can't do this anymore. I can't, I can't do this on my own. I don't know which way to turn. We're at our weakest point. And He says, I need you humble, that humble every day in your life. I need you to be willing to cast your all yourself aside and look at me and trust in me every day. And so, he says, for when I am weak, then I am strong. But we can't fathom that today in our life. We don't want to be weak. We don't want to look weak. We don't want to look strong in every area of our life. Especially men. We don't even want to ask for help for changing tires, do we? Blake had a flat tire last night, and so he got to change it one time in the 15-degree weather. But we don't want to ask for help. And Hallie's like, well, I told him to call. I said, Hallie, you got to Men don't want to ask for help. We don't want to ask for directions. We don't want to ask for this. Gabby's a lot of time at home, and I get that from that one sitting there, that why don't you call somebody to help you? I got it. I got it. Because we don't want help. We don't want those things in our life, and that's called pride. If you have pride in your life, it keeps you from being weak and humble before God like you need to be. It is a big error in your life. Pride, unforgiveness, any kind of sin, disobedience keeps you from being where you can be humble before God and be weak in your life to where you can trust in Him and depend on Him fully to take you from today to tomorrow throughout the rest of the week. But God wants us to rely on Him. Sure, He wants us to be strong in Him, but we have to first become weak to be able to be strong in Him. We have to first rid ourselves of all our fleshly wants and desires so we can be strong in Him. And so we can do those things and, and trust in Him and know that He's going to take care of us. So when we pray... We pray that, God, I don't know what may happen tomorrow, but I do know that when I, that I may, I don't know what I'll face but when I walk out into this world. I don't know what, but I know that you can show me, you can use me, and I can overcome whatever by the power of the Holy Spirit. That's how we need to get up and go out into this world every day. We don't know what's going to happen. We don't know what bad, what good, what whatever's going to happen in our life, but whatever it is, if we're weak enough in our flesh and strong enough in Him, then our flesh, our spirit's going to overcome our flesh and our desires of the flesh and what we want to do. And when problems hit us in the face, it don't knock us down and we think it's the end of the world. But why? Because we know when he's, when I am weak, then I'm strong. Are we going to be mad when things happen? Are we going to feel pain? Are we going to be sad? Are we going to cry some? Are, are we still going to hurt a little bit when bad things happen? Yes. Why? Because that's human nature. That's natural feeling. We're going to have those things. One thing that we've got to get over in our life is that we don't just rely on our emotions. We don't just rely on our feeling like Pat talked this morning. If you've got joy in your life, that's different than happiness. We know that. It's not just an emotion or, or feeling. No, it's joy because we know that God is in control. And though I feel those things and the pain at times and the sadness at times, I'm weak enough in, in my own flesh and strong enough in Him that, that I can get up and go through those things. Not acting like everything's all right. Not just... Well, you got a smile on your face all the time. Yeah, but there's a lot of things in my life that are wrong. And you were you just trying to fake it till you make it? No, I'm not. I'm not. Me and Gabby, we're totally different in this area. She worries about things. I mean, not to a point to where it's... Sometimes it is. Sometimes. 
I did have to tell her the other day. She's like, I wish I didn't worry about this. I said, you need to go read what Jesus told them in, in, in the Bible and says, worrying won't gain an inch of your statue. And that's paraphrasing, but that's what he said. Why worry? But it's, it's easy for us to worry. And I think women worry more about things than men do. Most of the time. It's just whatever. Maybe it's part of the curse of Eve. I don't know since, since she's sinned. But I've always been one to where, sure, things going on. And it bothers me, but I can let it roll off. And that's just the way I'm built. She's not. And so I, I have to help her. But in turn, she has to say, hey, you need to think about this a little more than what you're doing. Quit acting so nonchalant about everything. And so we help keep each other in check to where we need to be sometimes. But that's what marriage is about, is helping each other out and, and being there for one another. But not letting each me get to my point where I don't worry about anything. But her not getting to the point to where that's all she does is worry. And all she does is live in that constant fear and the constant stress of things. So, in Romans chapter 15, Paul had been still encouraging the church there at Rome. And in verse 13, he says this. Now may the God of hope fill you the God of hope, that's our God. He's full of hope. He's full of joy. He's full of peace. Without Him, we wouldn't have a standard for what that is, right? We wouldn't know what love is without Jesus, without God. We, we wouldn't have a standard. It would be a world, worldly kind of love. And, and so, He said, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in what? In believing. In believing. All joy and peace in believing. So, when we believe for God and we're believing Him for something in our life or whatever, whatever it is, and we know that that lines up with the will of God, and, and we know that, that this person, we're still believing that they'll get saved. We're still believing that this person get healed. We're still believing for this or for that. And we know God's led us to believe for that. We can have joy and peace while we're believing. Instead of stress of the unknown because it hasn't happened yet. We can have that joy and peace. And we've got to get to that point. But the only way we're going to get here is when we can say, like Paul did, I glory in my infirmities, for when I am weak, then I am strong. So when we understand what that means in our life and get to that point, then we can come back to here and say, He's going to fill me, He's filling me with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in the hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. So it's the Holy Spirit working in your life that's going to bring peace and joy and comfort when you let Him work, when you die to yourself fully and die to your flesh every day, as Paul said, he said, I die to my flesh daily. Why? Because he knew if he didn't, he couldn't be weak where God could be strong. And so we, we've, we've got to demonstrate this in our life where the world can see that though bad things may be happening to you physically in the natural, that everybody can see around, you can have peace because we believe in a God of hope. We serve a God of hope that can bring joy, as Pat talked about this morning, and peace in the time of believing for Him. In the time of believing what He's done for us and what He said He was going to do for us. And we've not seen it yet. But we keep believing. We keep believing. We keep trusting. And so we've got to know that our God of hope, our God is a God of hope, is a God of peace. And that peace is not just some... Some little peace sign handed up, right? It's not that. It's not a symbol. It's the peace that passes all understanding. It's that peace that we don't, we can't fathom in our life. But we do. We've we've tasted it before because when we've all got saved, we tasted the, some of that peace in our life. When we come back to Him after a wayward relationship in our life, it's that peace that we know. It's like a weight lifted off of our shoulders. So we know that peace and we've tasted it before, but we need that in our life all the time. But we believe in a God that, that, that is all of that for us. And a God of love, a love that's so unconditional, He said, I'll never change. We change, but He doesn't change. So if He's there for us yesterday, He's going to be there for us today, and He's going to be there for us tomorrow. He's already in tomorrow. He's already in the future. He's waiting for us to get there and believe and call on Him where He can say, I've already, I, I know. I'm right here for you. I'm right here with you. 
He's the God of yesterday, today, and forever. He's the same all the time. And so if He was the God back then that took care of the children of Israel for 40 years in the wilderness, right? Fed them, clothed them, whatever. Then He's the same God that sent Jesus to this earth to die for us. Then He's the same God that's still here today. And instead, Jesus said, look, i got to go so the Holy Spirit will come and lead and guide you in all truths. And, and do the things for you and be there and show you things and wisdom and understanding that we can know. And He's the same living God today that He was, that, that it was talked about when He created the earth. He's the same one. So don't stop believing on God today. Don't stop believing in Him. Whatever you're praying for, whatever you're believing for, know that God will work and God will move. But you have to move. You have to get to a point in your life where you move out of the way completely and say, God, I'm not going to worry about this. I'm not going to let this consume me every day and live in that doubt and unbelief that it will never happen or wondering if it will happen and just consume my thoughts and my mind. But I need that peace that passes all understanding. So that's what he wants for you today. That's what he wants for the body of Christ. We've got to get to the point that we say, when I am weak, then I am strong. When I'm weak, then I'm strong. And move ourselves out of the way. We talked about a lot over the past while. Our will has got to line up with His will. His will for us is to live fully for Him. His will for us is to be uncomfortable in our, in our way of life and not, not live a life of comfort and ease because that's, that's where we want to be. But live a life for Him. And when we're in that life for Him, then we'll have a life of comfort and ease. Spiritually in our life, right? We'll have that. So, not y'all stand this morning. As I said earlier, the only way to know that that life and that you serve a God of peace and of hope and you have joy in the time of believing is to first make Jesus Lord of your life. That that's that's the first thing. That's completely dying to you, surrendering to you from yourself, dying from yourself, and saying, I want to live for Him. And so if that's you today, and you've never made Jesus Lord of your life, then today is a day of salvation. Just as Paul wrote in, 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 in his writings, today is the day of salvation. If you've walked away, and you say, I'm, I'm better on my own. I want to try it on my own. I want to do it on my own. I'll tell you right now that you're wrong on your own. You cannot make it through this life on your own. People try every, every day, but it comes back. They can't be happy because they want more stuff. They can't have joy because they don't know the God of joy and peace and all believing. They don't know Him. So they, they, they don't have those things in their life. So if you're here and if you're watching and, and, you, and you've said, well, I know where I need to be, but I've, I've went away from where I was, then... You pray and you ask God to forgive you of your sins again. Get those things out of your life and say, God, I come back to you. I want to be yours fully and completely.